Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another Espresso Shots episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into the food styling world, then this is the episode for you because my next guest has styled the savory and the sweet for top newspapers and magazines, as well as a bunch of large companies. But before I introduce you to Lisa Cherkoski, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays, and it's got unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my fresh press drinking food lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Lisa Cherkowski, a chef and food stylist with decades of experience cooking in great restaurants and styling for great publications. Earlier in her career, Lisa worked as a chef with iconic chefs like Nora Poulon at Restaurant Nora in Washington, D.C., as well as Jean-Pierre Goyenval. Am I pronouncing yes. that? Goyenval yes. at Le Lion d'Or, where she was the first woman ever hired to work the line. Lisa has done stints as a poissonnier, a pastry chef, sous chef, catering chef, grillardine, my God, chef de garde-manger, and yes, even as a dishwasher, although that was a very short stint. Her experience as a food stylist has allowed Lisa to move back and forth between the editorial and the corporate worlds. She's worked with the Washington Post newspaper and with magazines including The Washingtonian, Smithsonian, Vegetarian Times, Eating Well, and National Geographic. She's also worked with big companies like the Marriott Corporation, McCormick Spice, the California Almond Board, and Purdue. And if you want to learn more about what Lisa actually does as a food stylist and how she built her career, please check out show notes for this episode to see if her main T4C interview has already dropped. Lisa, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am caffeinated, only a little, which is more than enough for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what's your favorite type of coffee? My favorite type of coffee? I like an Americano that's about uh, uh, six, seven eighths decaf and one eighth half because that's what the people around me want me to drink. <laughs> 
Because you're a calf, you're a caffeinated gal. Yeah, there's a new restaurant around the corner that I love. So I've been gotten in the habit of walking over there at Ruthie's all day and getting a coffee. And they make me an Americano because the decaf is never brewed. So I, it's a bonus. It's great. Oh my gosh. I love I it. Press. At home, I always make French press. Oh, which I like. is that why you smiled when I said French press? Because I like, I like several cups. I like a big cup of something hot in the morning. So French yeah. press, because you get a lot of it. Yeah. I'm I'm actually now into the pour overs and I have become because I yeah. have a podcast that's not just loosely, but it is about kind of coffee and, and networking coffees, really. Mm-hmm. I have gotten to interview some of the most fascinating oh. people in the coffee industry. And I've really learned how to make a kick-ass cup of coffee. Pour over is the best, I think. It just takes certain yeah. emotions, but it's I do think it's the best. We did, The Post just did a story about that with Tim Carmen. I did the styling for it. And so I learned about, I knew some, but then I really learned because we had to do it a specific way. So it was really interesting. It was I great. love that. Well, let's get into that in our main time for coffee interview. Right now, I just want to make sure again, before we get into to our 10 espresso shots, that it would be a good idea, perhaps, Lisa, if you were to give our young listeners, all of us, frankly, a quick 101 on what food styling actually is. Let me tell you, okay, let me do that. And one thing that wasn't mentioned that you didn't mention in the um, introduction that I want to mention, because it's actually my favorite and most important part of my job, which is cookbooks. I really, really, I love books. And I've styled, I've done books, like maybe a hundred. I'm not sure a lot. And I've also, I'm the author of one from a very long time ago, but I wrote a book called The Artful Pie. And then I did a book from the American Girl Company, which I'm actually really proud of. It's a, it's like a primer for young people. It's for girls, but a lot of the boys next door use it all the time. It's, and it's, it's, a super nice book. So cookbooks are what my main, because I'm a cook. So styling, when people say, oh, what's that? I say, it's making food for pictures. I make the food for pictures and for photographs. And it could be books, magazines, newspaper, advertising, packaging. I do a lot of packaging. Web, I do a lot of web. I do a lot of work for the Food Network, which is web. I don't do very much restaurant stuff unless there's a restaurant with a big budget. But what is food styling? Is it food cooking? Is that really what it is? Sometimes there's cooking. Sometimes there's not. It depends. Sometimes it's taking a product and making it look as good as possible. Sometimes it's I'm given a recipe and I make I do the cooking from I do the shopping, the cooking and then working. The food styling part is the working on the set or preparing the food for the camera, for the set. So I work a lot with an assistant who's well, a woman who assists me, who's my great friend and who's a great chef. So then in that case, she does a lot of the cooking, but we work in sync because the cooking is often done a very specific way for camera that it wouldn't be done at home where things are kept separate. And she knows often I want to, I want to be the one who finishes the top of something or I want to determine the brownness of it or I want one piece, one part left out so I can add it later so it can be seen or that kind of stuff. So the actual food styling is preparing it for the camera and then working on the set. Working on the set is really, really important that you're able to do that work with great detail and squeeze into a small space and understand lighting and understand composition and all that stuff. It's all that artful stuff and seeing because you're just seeing it from one point of view. And there's light, you know, the lighting is super important, which is not my domain, thankfully. You need to know, understand it. Because I work, you need to work with the lighting, not against the lighting. Got it. Okay. Terrific. So Lee, 
Lisa, I also want our listeners to know, Lisa has said to me, this is what she said, Andrea, I tend to talk a lot. So if you need to cut me off because she's got a hard stop because she's actually in the middle of a food styling shoot right now. So she has taken time out of that to do this interview. So if I cut her off, it isn't because I don't want to hear what she has to say. It's what I want to make sure we get through the interview. So let us dive into our 10 espresso shots, Lisa. The first question being, what entry level jobs are available to young people who want to break into food style? I would say any cooking job, any cooking job, because the knowledge of the more you know about cooking, the better you're going to be as a stylist. There are stylists, think, who come to it, not necessarily from cooking. They think that's a huge handicap. So I'd say any cooking job. And if you want a food uh, food styling specific job, there really aren't any other than assisting. But people don't hire assistants unless they're already pretty experienced. Experienced in cooking? Cooking is organizational with all the skills that surround cooking, which is being tidy, being organized. Organized, being task focused. Okay, let us let's so actually move into that next question because it has to do with those skills. Okay. What is a useful hard and soft skill that you look for, Lisa, in the assistants that you hire and the young people that you've hired over the years? Some of the soft skills are extreme flexibility, uh, willingness to do whatever is asked. You you can have an opinion, but it's really good if you don't resist. You're able to say sure, no problem, and really mean it. An ability to clap there's a lot of collaboration involved. I'm a kind of a prima donna, which is not necessarily a good thing, but I try to keep the lid on it. So, And then hard skills are cooking skills. All the things that are good at any job, which is reliability, organization, dependability, good attitude, you know, a positive attitude. And in cooking, I really only like to work with people that are very, very clean and tidy and organized. I don't, I can't work in chaos. I like a clean, empty space and so on. And the woman I work with knows that about me. She knows if I get anxious, I start throwing stuff out like crazy. But she keeps it tidy so I don't get, I can't think under those circumstances. So, and cooking skills, cooking chops are key. You just have to have them. Sounds like it. Lisa, is someone's major a deciding factor to get into food styling? In other words, if they haven't gone to a cooking school as you did, one of the best out there, the Culinary Institute of America, is it a deal breaker? No, I, th- I think a lot of food stylists haven't gone to cooking school. They used to be, from what I understand in the olden days, that they came from home app more because there weren't very many cook- like when I went to cooking school there were hardly any cooking schools at all this is a long time ago so now there are a lot more options many more options you could take short courses and all kinds of stuff which is great you can take online courses but I think our background would be really useful because a lot of it is you know working with you have to like to work with your hands so something where you work with your hands where you manipulate materials which is what you're doing you're manipulating materials that's what cooking is that's what food styling is it's sometimes like sculpting a lot of it is putting your hands in the food rather than using some kind of a tool. So an art background with, with some cooking, anything create, I think anything creative, a design, any of that, anything where you're using your eyes and understanding color and composition and materials. Awesome. Yep. What about a graduate school degree? And this is less so for maybe somebody who's at the entry level of food styling, more so for somebody who wants to build a cooking empire, whatever the case may be. Is it essential to have a grad school degree? And either way, are there ones that you think would be more useful to have? 
I can barely, I don't think so. I can't imagine what it would be, honestly. Okay. I mean, I can't imagine anything you would learn in graduate school that you couldn't learn more readily in the field, honestly. I mean, the education is great. It doesn't, I mean, it's always applicable. It always broadens you. And now you can get a degree in food history. And there are all these food degrees that didn't exist before, which would all, of course, enhance your abilities and your understanding and your depth and your breadth and all that. So none of it would hurt, but you know takes time and it's expensive. So not for my work. I don't have a degree. I mean, I have a vocational degree. I have a two-year degree. It's all I have. Terrific. I just have an associate's. Yeah. Yeah. My college experience was useful too. Lisa, what kind of life experiences? So these are the experiences we have outside the classroom. Do you think are useful for someone maybe to try to curate, to experiment, to bring into their lives if they want to get into this field. And I say that knowing that you started cooking when you were six, if not younger than that, when you started making your family's meals and you were always cooking and baking and your dad owned a dairy and a bakery in Appleton, Wisconsin. And it's just been a part of your life since the very beginning. So it would seem to me that just being a home cook would be a great experience, but I'm sure you've got other thoughts. No, any kind of cooking, you learn something. I mean, I've had jobs that were terrible jobs, and I thought at the time, or they they were. And I've also worked at places that were very ordinary, but you always learn stuff. And a lot of times what you learn is some kind of cool hack that you use later, or that if, if you can bring up stuff and you can keep your mind open to all your experiences, you're like, oh, what about this thing I saw at this weird deli? Like I was a waitress at a deli. I learned a lot of stuff there. I saw all kinds of food that I'm now, that I became familiar with. So then when they come up in styling, I already understand. I mean, matzo ball soup's not... I mean, I knew, but you understand, um, halva, for example, if it comes up, well, I ate a lot of it at this deli when I waited tables there in college. It just, if you keep your eyes open and you see anything as a learning opportunity, not that I'm always so open myself, but it's, it's, it, the stuff adds up. It just, and with food, you know, cause food is a great connector. It's everywhere. So you learn stuff when you go to someone's house for dinner and they cook something a certain way you've never seen, you never know when that's going to come up. You just never know. In styling, you never know. The assignments are so all over the map, which is great. Yeah. And it's really fun to be able to take some piece of knowledge that you never thought you'd need and apply it elsewhere. What about the photography piece of it? Are you the one who is taking the images or you're the one who is getting the food ready and someone else snaps? The photographer takes the picture and we work together really closely. Got it. Okay. Lisa, what is the best part for you of being a food stylist? I really like working on set. I like creating, I like creating one beautiful image that's where you're working all to. I like the collaborative aspect of it. I like that I'm using my hands because I really like to use materials. Like I, I like to sew and knit and I like to make stuff. So I really like working with my hands. I like being on my feet. I like completing tasks and I like working towards one goal together with a group. So we're working towards one thing all together. And when it's technical and creative, it's very, very absorbing. And then when it's done and it's that moment, you have that wow moment and it's then move on. It feels really, really, really good to be working in sync and problem solving all along the way. And it's great when everyone is at their, you know, very skilled and has artistry and talent. It's extremely satisfying. And I would so. think that also because you're doing it, you have to do it over a limited period of time. Right. Because it's food. It's it's something that can deteriorate. So you need to act quickly. So then 
you're done. You move on. And there's parameters. It's problem solving because you have parameters. And I also really like that. I don't really like the sky's the limit. I like this is what we need to do. It's a problem we need to solve as artfully as possible within these parameters. That's what makes it totally fascinating for me. What about the flip side? What is the part of your current job? And we're doing this interview in early December 2020 during the coronavirus that sucks the most, Lisa. There's a lot. Scheduling can be really complicated and tricky. When you have a stretch when you're not working, that's really, truly terrible. The logistical part, like all the stuff surrounding the work, the driving, the loading, the hauling. I really, really hate the grocery shopping because I always have a level of anxiety. Like, how much money should I spend? When did I find the best role? What if this role looks pretty good, but the next door they're better? So all the logistical stuff. Once I get to the job and I'm actually doing the job and all the people are there and the groceries are there and the driving's over and the scheduling is done, I'm good. But a lot of the stuff that's around it, which I think is true for very a lot of jobs, that's, it's, it's stressful. It's stressful. And I do, I often do a lot of driving, which is, I would never choose. Three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice, Lisa, you've ever gotten? The best career advice I ever got was when someone said, hey, my cousin goes to this cooking school. That might interest you. And I was like, what? I didn't know there was such a thing as a cooking school. You never know. You never know what someone might tell you. And also, if you're complaining about something, don't just complain. Listen to what they tell you. Because sometimes people have great ideas. You can dismiss it, but a lot of it. Because people love to give advice. But sometimes they'll say, say something you're like, wow, that's a really good idea. So it never hurts to complain a little bit to see what you might get back. Fantastic. Lisa, what movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, streaming shows, or books, do you think accurately depict your profession? I don't think there's any. There are a lot of good food movies, which I can't even begin to list. There's tons of good food movies, and I really admire the people. Like People talked a lot about Downton Abbey, the food on that, and the woman who, I don't know her name, but the woman who did the food for that was written up quite a bit, and those articles were totally fascinating. And I'm sure that was extraordinarily difficult and really interesting. And then there's a lot of movies that depict cooking. It's such a fantasy that I can barely watch it. But Ratatouille is super accurate. I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Accurate, yeah. And then I read this... Dirt. I've read both the books by Bill Buford, a very excellent. He wrote Dirt and he wrote Heat. And those Dirt real is, I mean, but that's cooking, not styling. I don't know any about styling. There's tons of good stuff on Netflix. There is a styling book out called Food Styling by Dolores Custer. And that's a great book. It's an amazing book. She And she's amazing. And it's big. If you Excellent. want to be a stylist, you have to have that book. Excellent. We will include all of those links in our show notes. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about food styling? Oh, no. I read that question in advance and then I didn't come up with anything. Oh, well, I can tell you one little trick that people don't think of, I guess. Well, two things. I use a lot of Gorilla Glue, which you wouldn't think it would glue. It glues all kinds of stuff you wouldn't think it would glue. It glues tortillas and meat and all kinds of things. You can glue things back together, which is fantastic. And I also use Armor All. I don't use a lot of fake stuff, but I do use those two things. I use armor all to keep things like tortillas from cracking, but the Gorilla Glue is kind of fantastic because it's doctors use it, I think, or they don't they use Gorilla Glue, but they use Super Glue, I think, don't they? I'm um, not sure, but yeah. I think that you had yeah. just, you've just answered the question that may be on the minds of some young people, which is, do you eat the product after you're done? And I think the answer is no. But a lot of times they do. 
not once it's been on the set, because usually when it's been on the set, it's been touched a lot and manipulated. I mean, not always. Some of it just put it down, but I really never want to eat it once it's been on the set because it's cold. But I, we eat a lot of, I mean, I do eat well and I bring a lot of food home. I really do not, it's a huge, that's a great perk. I really very rarely grocery shop. Because I do bring a lot of food home from work, which is great. And a lot of the food, if it's editorial, we do definitely eat it. Except a lot of times it's missing salt, might be missing vinegar. You know, it's under season because we're saving steps because we're trying to move quickly. But we eat pretty well. It's not as fake as people think. It's not very fake at all, actually. It's pretty real. It just needs to look good for longer than it would if you were about to eat it. So it's about keeping it alive. A lot of times it just involves water and oil, and that's kind of sort of it. Cool. And moving it around with a pair of forceps. Love it. Lisa, thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. Again, if you're interested in learning more about what a food stylist actually does in more detail and how Lisa has built her career, check out show notes to see if Lisa's main time for coffee interview has already dropped. Lisa, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Lots of fun. You're a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.